I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hello. Uh, good evening, Tom. How are you? Yeah, really well, thank you. Recovered from a, a long day yesterday, so that was exciting to see that. Um, we've got some Ryder Cup. You were, you were talk- there, Tom, weren't you? You were there. I was. Um, I didn't I didn't catch uh, anyone on the camera. Um, Sean Crocker probably wanted me to get off the property because literally I watched him from first tee up until I think the bat nine and every hole I watched, I, like he parred just burning edges, burning edges. Every time I walked away, he birdied. Um, so, you know, that was just Sean Crocker all over. Uh, so, Sean, apologies for uh, for your missing chance there. Um, but no, it's great. You know, as I said to you yesterday and a bit before we came on, it's I find it quite hard now. I think, you know, we, we made about television coverage quite a lot and maybe not been able to get a chance to see what's going on, but you certainly see a lot more than you do when you're at the live event. You get kind of stuck with Jean trying to walk between holes, who to see. You know, my idea was to follow Burnt and, and Sean Crocker purely because I want to see how Wiesberger coats with the pressure of trying to get the Ryder Cup spot. Uh, Sean Crocker just because he's a long-term sort of person I want to keep an eye on. So, start with that group and, and yeah, you just end up getting, you know, Adam Scott turns up and you think, oh, I'll have a little watch of him and Walshall turns out, oh, I'll have a watch that. Or Alfie Barmerett's kicking on, you better try and find him and you just end up getting pulled in too many directions. So, it was good. Um, didn't get myself on camera, so that was nice. Um, and yeah, here we are. I think it was. I think the event itself was getting a bit lost in the the Ryder Cup talk. So I can understand why they did it because you know flagship event, make it exciting. You know, last pits come down to that, etc. Um, but it was a really, really, really good event and one that got almost swallowed up by those sort of bits. So obviously the three captains picks have been made now. That was last night. What are your thoughts on the three captains' picks, first of all? Yeah, I thought it was an excellent tournament, Tom, Wentworth, <laughs> to be honest with you. Following, again, another two, it's good. We needed more wind, but it was a great tournament. Um, so that'll do, is it, at the end of discussing that? We won't discuss Laurie Cantor on 17, then. I mean, uh, we can, do. Banrat on 17, indeed. Alfie Barnrat was very, very good uh, all week, wasn't he, until that one mm-hmm. sh- I mean... Uh, disappointing Saturday, wasn't it? After two really, really good rounds. Um, but I could sort of, sort of forgive him that one Saturday. It's, it's been two years since his last top ten, almost. Uh, you know, he's one of the players that really did suffer from the pandemic. Kind of got stuck, not being able to play a lot of events. Got stuck in Thailand, etc. So, um, really good to see him back in it. Uh, and, and it was blistering form, wasn't it? Was it five birdies in the first seven holes? Uh, and by 12, he was three shots in the lead. So... At one point, it looked like no one else could win. Um, he's got those two par fives coming up, and you think that's it. He'll go birdie, birdie there and, and get the job done. He's, he's experienced in that situation. Um, I didn't actually see 17, and, and there was a bit of confusion as to whether he'd lost his ball or gone in the bush. Yeah, he um, he hit it so far, it just went over the hedge <laughs> um, in someone's teapot on their garden. Then he, um, he's... Next ball left into by whatever it was just all over the shop, um, and then eventually he played his first one with a with a penalty. So um, I don't really, yeah, I can't quite understand how that worked. But yeah, it was no question that it was, you know, it wasn't an eight in any way. But yeah, it was sad. And um, having said that, it was a tremendous return to form. But what he 
he not just in physical shape, but the way he plays genuinely reminded me of Angel Cabrera, mm. who loved Wentworth. Um, just just everything about him, the way he plays, everything looks so easy the way he does it. Um, he's very nice. He's very good to watch. I like him, but. Um, you know, I think in commentary they kind of tried to be polite about it and say that he's a lot of arms and feels as opposed to a lot of body movement. I think that was a kind of nice way of saying he's quite restricted in the way he can move his body due to his size. Um, but um, he's yeah. he he is he's, he's I think you know he, he just lets rip it quite a lot and that's why his ball can go off planet Earth at points. But yeah. he's great, isn't he? He's an aggressive player. He you know, he, he gets up for it. He makes birdies in bunches. That's what he's always been like, isn't it? He's now got his PJ Tour card back, uh, playing over at the Fortinet this week. And you know, and like I wrote in my newsletter, he, I, I consider him a winner for the week. Really, I know that he didn't win, but the fact that he's returned to form in quite that way, got his PJ Tour card back, come a week later, basically one shot. From, well, was one shot from getting to the playoff, and really could have won it. Um, Pretty much, he looked the most likely winner for most of the week, didn't he? So, yeah, I think it's a great return to form, um, and, I, and I'm really good to see it. Laurie Cantor, um, when he had two par fives coming up, with and that, there's no way of putting it that this was his. Was it a better chance in the Italian Open to win? Um, it wasn't. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it was. I think I think he should have won it. So. Hmm. But. But in, in, in the respect that he had two par fives to do it, and that's kind of his wheelhouse, isn't it? To take advantage of the par fives, his length, his his ball striking. I mean, he was just short of the green in two on 17, wasn't he? Um, and he looked a bit fidgety over the shot. I mean, I don't know how... Again, I, didn't, I wasn't there on that shot, but was it a difficult shot? Or was it just complete I mean, seven, nerves? 17 ranked 10 hmm. in the end. Um, on 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 Sunday, so um, no, it wasn't it wasn't a complete gimme, but yeah, I mean, it was a bit bizarre the commentary because when he hit his second, they, um, I think it was you and Murray went, oh look at this, look at this, and it wasn't look at this at all, it was short. Um, that wasn't him. It's was, well, it was one of them anyway, along with Gindy or one of them but anyway. Um, and and I must be honest, I looked at it and thought he is gonna he is gonna just chunk this or do something silly because unfortunately that's what his reputation has become um yeah and he did i thought he might putt it actually to be honest with you um i think he, he could have done ultimately there we are he goes through the green and um such is life but, um, but even even if you par that you've then got another great chance at 18 even uh, even after going into the bunker off the tee force layup You've still got a good chance. We saw what Billy Horschel did. I know we said Billy Horschel got fortunate that his ball didn't go in the water. And But as soon as he gets the opportunity to present himself, despite the fact that he was frustrating himself, he just puts he stuffs it to a foot, two foot. And then that's the difference between someone like Billy Horschel and Laurie Cantor. That's not the only difference, but yeah. it, it, it shows the golfing quality when you can step up at that time, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Um... That's the actual fantastic thing that they've done with Wentworth is that 18th. Yeah. Is is it just does give you? It's not just a bosh it. It is. It is. You actually have to think. Um, and yeah, I mean Horschel. To be honest, Horschel's shot was what 12, 15 foot right, maybe more. Yeah. It just took just took the spin, took the slope, and it was it was it was absolutely top quality. And uh, yeah, I mean you know there's plenty of there that would that had chances. 
uh, plenty that played well. But yeah, I've got to be honest. I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan, but he he's, he was very very impressive. And that final shot under the pressure deserved to win the tournament. Yeah, I think he's endeared himself to a lot of the fans, isn't he? Not just the the West Ham contingent with his uh, with his hammers uh, signs and all that, but he uh, he is he's, he's very uh, passionate about the event, very passionate about the European he tour, is, he is. Um, yeah. and he, and he's quite a classy opera. So I know he's had his uh, criticism in the past. Um, with just you know his on course antics and he's bit in your face and Rory doesn't like him, does he? But you know that can't be held against him. Ten years on, he's uh, he's been absolutely fine and a pretty good advocate for the game. So I was quite happy to see him win. He, he's always very popular and, and very good to watch. So I quite like finishing on a par five as well. In general, I think like you said, they're, they're two par fives that any player you look at round by round. It wasn't like you said; they weren't gimmies. It weren't like every time I got seventeen, eighteen. It was birdie, birdie, eagle, birdie, par, birdie. There was always days where someone parred both holes. You know, Sam Horsfield. You see someone takes a bunch of par five. Sometimes two pars. Justin Rose, I think two pars uh, Saturday. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, Sam Horsfield. I mean, what? I mean, oh, jeez, what's going on there? I don't. I have no idea what's going on there. No, I don't. He's anyway. going for his Friday blues, didn't he? And, and to get into Saturday, didn't he? But there we go. Um, but yeah, I generally do like a, a par five finish, and, and like you say, that the two to finish at Wentworth are, are pretty exciting stuff. Mm. Um, back onto the the Ryder Cup permutations. Obviously, like I said, it kind of, I think it kind of dominated the event a bit too much at the start, but you know it has to be talked about. Um, like I said, I wanted to follow Wiesberg and see how he coped with kind of the pressure, and you know he, he was. It was actually weird how him and his caddy just kept smiling. They, they kept picking out someone. There was someone in the crowd they kept talking to or something. I don't know if they were trying to distract themselves or something, but they were very, they were very, you know, upbeat. And despite the fact the golf wasn't as good as it could have been, um, he never looked, you know, out of control. Um, should we say? On the other hand, Lee Westwood was hemorrhaging shots left, right, and centre, wasn't he? Um, he shot 77 on Sunday. Um, terrible start to the bat nine. Didn't didn't look good uh, from the bits that I saw, which is which is a shame because you don't want someone to be going into the Ryder Cup out of form, and I think we've probably got two or three players like that. Did you see um, Vesper or hear Vesper's interview after? No. Okay, so he said it was the most nervous he's ever been on a golf course. Yeah. Literally, literally, just. Um, and the funny thing, I think it was worse the fact that he was right up there for Sunday. Yeah. Had he been, I don't know, sixtieth or something. He'd, I know he had to finish top, whatever, but um, probably would have been easier. Yeah, but he yeah. said it was the most nervous he's ever been. Um, look, I think he deserves it. Um, I've said it before. I think you, you can make this. This is all media stuff. I think you can make this very simple. I think you say this is what you do, and you either go top six, top six, come through, or top 12, come through. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, obviously, you've got to wait it. Um, but... Um, you can it do did, it, like it did feel like it was it. way Finish. too heavily weighted on Wentworth, though. Like, I know Wentworth's a big event in general, but like, I understood what Westwood said in the end of the night. It was ridiculous it come down to that point where it could change so much. Like Westwood was in for the whole year, and he could but, suddenly lose out just by one bad week. But then, but then that's that's the way it's all. That's the way the world's been. I mean, the FedEx Cup. You look at going to Dubai. Yeah. You know. Um, you know. They, they, you know, some of these are so heavily weighted that that you can just play so well, and you don't get your your proper reward at the end. Um, 
Having said that, I did tweet as well that I thought Wentworth should actually become the end of the season. Hmm. Wherever they put it, I think it makes a much better viewing than uh, Dubai. But yeah, I think um, it's a, it, yeah. It's, the actual, that's, that was sort of so sad about it is that it just felt like the fact that Roy McIlroy didn't play meant that people could miss out. Like I, I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Like it was that heavily weighted that by him not playing, people were dropping out of spots. It, it just seemed a bit too much. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. Annoying. Um, I think. I wonder how Wiesberg would have gone at the event had he not been playing for that. And I know it's easy to say now, but the first round he looked very sort of patient and, and didn't really go for too much. I think he knew that he could kind of get in the top of 50 and didn't want to blow the chance by missing the weekend. Loosened up a bit on Friday. Um, Saturday, kind of like you said, found himself in contention going in Sunday and. As you said, they looked nervous. He was definitely trying to make it. He was trying to fool himself and the others around him by putting on a smiley act. Um, I think he deserved it. Like you say, I think he does deserve it. It was. I mean, if we're talking about the fact that he didn't hit a pebble in the bunker at, at um, Crans. He, mm. he would have been already, wouldn't he? So the only the only drawback to him getting in, I think, is the fact that you had to make a decision between Lowry and Justin Rhodes. Um, think the right call has been made um i think larry very much deserves it i think justin rose would have been really handy at whistling straights i think it'd be really important to have but i suppose there's always one player that is unfortunate to miss out and he was one this time around yeah okay what would you have <laughs> taken polter garcia and larry no i'd have taken rose i can't tell you who i wouldn't have taken but I'd have definitely taken those. I, I mean, and you and you're not Rose's biggest fan either, are you? No, no, no. But but I, I it's it's I, look. I think it's uh, extremely difficult task anyway. Really, I, I uh, yeah, it's, it'd be fascinating to see. But but I, I I I I mean, I think it would be amazing. I think if we get a result, it's uh, for me, it'll be the, probably the biggest shock of the ride of any of the Ryder Cups that yeah. I've seen. The thing is, we, we got trounced at Hazeltine. We were getting trounced at Medina, but for a miracle on the on the final day. So, really, I just don't you, see. You, I just, sorry, Tom. Sorry. I just don't see see some head to head. And I pre and I, and I said all along. I said the team spirit clearly. I mean, I don't know what the spirit is like in the in the America. They don't seem to be the most of um, you know, team players. Yeah. Ours are, but when you go down it, I mean. You know, Fitz. I don't think he's going to really suit the course. Hatton's I don't, I don't think he plays much. Hatton's out of form. Um, yeah, I'm into American anyway. Um, you know, I mean, Westwood. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever. Wiesberger. Fair play. He's got there. But I, I, you know, if he's under pressure, he's been. I mean, he's missing. He's been playing brilliant all year. Yeah. But the last we've seen it, three, four tournaments, he's missed he everything the on the greens. Yeah. Um, Sergio, Sergio, I don't think particularly Larry's playing particularly well and, and doesn't hold enough crucial putts. And Paul was only there because people consider him Mr. Ryder Cup. But as someone said, I think he's had five wildcard picks. Um, but, that, but, but, actually, but that's the thing. He's had, to, he's had to get into... The, this is what I said the other day. So although he's had to have all these wildcard picks, he got himself on merit. Because everyone was saying that basically this, this was the argument for Kisner, was that Poulter's always getting a wild card. And he performs. So you give Kisner one and he'll perform. But Poulter had to get himself in on merit at least for the first time. I think maybe the second time. And then and then he's got his wildcard picks 
after that because of how well he's performed the first time. You're asking Kisner to be given a pick, and this is this isn't really Pablo versus Kisner, but that that's that's my point is he probably deserves a wild card pick because I think his form is underrated in what he's done in the PJ Tour. He's playing. He's playing a tour that doesn't really suit his game, and he grinds out results as he does. Um, I think but... I think it's a, I think it's a boring team. Um, I'm not, not else you, what else you could have done, but that's that's you know that's why I think I think it's a boring team. I think it's it relies very heavily on past performances. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I I don't yeah like I say I I I, I personally I mean I, look, obviously I'm cheering them on but. I'd be amazed if, if we get within a couple. Well, the thing years. is, I said that there's probably only three players in that team that are ultra confident in their game: John Rahm, Victor Hovland, and Paul Casey. Um, I think that that Tyrrell Hatton is wildly outform. Fleetwood has not made the putts when he's needed to make them for a couple of years now. Hasn't been right since lockdown. Um, Lee Westwood, as we've already discussed, not in great form. Rory's going through changes left, right, and centre with his swing with Pete Cowan. I think he'll be fine, but you know, there's that to worry about. Sergio, I suppose he, he's been ball striking it really well, and he misses putts his whole career, but gets him in the Ryder Cup, so I'd be safe. And then Poulter's just going to get overwhelmed by the course. I think. I think that really and truly, you know, four balls. I mean, why? You might as well just take two power hitters and hope that that one of them gets the points because. In foursomes, he'll obviously be important, I think. And Fitzpatrick, I don't see an avenue for him playing that often. I, don't, I just don't see... Because we saw it. He got paired with Stenson at that Hazel team to try and take advantage of Stenson's ball striking and Fitzpatrick's putting. They lost. He lost his singles. I know that's pass, and he's a lot more mature player by now, but it's the wrong course for him as well. So like you say, I think it's it looks a pretty daunting prospect. But... Yeah. Enough of that. We'll go on to another daunting prospect, which is the Dutch Open. Um, I say daunting because we don't really know what to expect from the golf course. Um, it's a Carl Phillips design, who designed Kings Barnes, uh, the Grove for the 2016 British Masters, the Dundonald for the 2017 Scottish Open. He was part of the remodel for the, the KLM course here in 2010-2012. 2014-15 Nordea Masters and the Sicilian Roque Forte uh, Opens. So he's been a part of all of those. Um, what you take from those as relative events is, is how you dissect the course. But you know, I think I don't think it'd be too much different from every KLM Open. I think they all have a bit of a mix of players that play well here. Long and short hitters prosper. Um, and there's probably some worthy favourites up there in terms of uh, Thomas Peters, Brandon Grace, Horsfield, and Thomas Dietrich. Yeah, um, yeah, I think like you say. I mean, I think some reviews have said because it's only recently been redone, and things like the heather haven't really grown. Um, it's it's probably a year too early to hold this event. Yeah, that's the reviews I've read. Um, so in a way, it's a sort of fake links with water that isn't quite there yet now whether that brings you in something like Fairmont St Andrews places like that um, as you say Hilbush which um, <laughs> held it in 10 to 12 um, I think it's the same I mean most most of these KLM's you know Linksy form does help um, I think we discussed it last week you know Italian French Dutch Opens Crans you know they're, they're wonderful wonderful courses. they're proper courses 
Um, it's just how mature this is and how much you can get away with it. I think I read as well that the bunkers have some like really weird lips to them or something. Yeah. Um, it's quite heavily bunkered. So, you know, I went along with the same as you, as you normally would have, which is, um, you know, greens in reg. You know, if you hit the greens, you, you'll be fine. Your irons need to be spot on. Um, a bit, you know, not dissimilar to the last last week, really. Or crans, you, you know, you have to you have to be accurate. Um, I, I'm not sure how much you can run the ball up like a Lynx. Yeah. So it's a mix between Heather and Walter. Yeah, I, I would say, you, you know, at the end of the day, it gets another second shot course, isn't it? You're not getting anywhere booming it. Um, and I, I went along with light strokes gained approaching greens in reg, as, as, you know, seems to be the case virtually every week. Um, and, and certain players do appear in those. I mean, look, we, we've watched the likes of Sean uh, Crocker do this week in, week out, Veerman and um, Antcliffe. Um, one day it happens, doesn't it? One day they putt um, you try and find a hidden one. There aren't many hidden ones, I don't think, here this week, but we'll give it a go. Yeah, Peters is Peters. Grace, 14 to 1. Do you want to be on Grace at 14 to 1? Horsfield, the way he's. Oh, he's just... I don't know what he's doing. I can't believe it. Um, just don't want to be on, do you? No. Um, 8, 15, 15, 21. You're looking at uh, 4 to 1. Uh, 4 to 1. Any of them three winning. So no thanks. And then you've got Dietrich you can chuck in. Um, Burmester, it doesn't seem like his type of track either. He wants a longer track. I mean, you can really can oppose the top six, can't you? I think five or six. I also think that Burmester's probably not. They've not reacted to his. Not he's not died off a cliff by any means, but he's he's not in the form that he was in when he was going after his prices when he won Tenerife, fall from Canary, sit for the you know British Masters. It's, you know, he's had that sit for the check, but otherwise he's been pretty. Um, you know, modest form, I think, and he's still sitting there at 21. No, it's a bit of an average event, but Peters would be the one for me of the group, and he is a, he is the favourite for that reason. Um, former winner of the event, Dietrich was disqualified last week when he had a chance, didn't need to uh, yeah. to keep himself in the Ryder Cup picture, albeit a very uh, long shot at that one. But you mentioned Veerman there. Um, if you didn't know he was American, you'd probably think he was Dutch. Looking at the name, like Johannes Veerman. Um, I'm assuming there's some sort of Dutch heritage there, but Below his name uh, in the betting is Joost Louten. I think you, you're probably worth talking about him. Uh, the problem with him is I think he's too short, but mm. you can't ignore it. You're just impossible in terms to ignore. Of, in terms of height or in terms of uh, game or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In terms, of, in terms of game. I mean, you know, his greens in reg is just stunning. Um, he's uh, leading the greens in reg this season and he's fourth in that ranking over the last three months. So it's not as if it's early season form. Um, he's 16 strokes gained approach in the last three months, 15 overall in the season. So, and he plays here quite a bit. He's practiced here and he has played here, which is must be a huge advantage. Um, given the fact that he can he, he can hit fairways and he can hit greens, he'll know exactly what they're going to be doing. He'll know exactly what spots to miss. Um, and he's just he's just playing fantastic. I mean, look at his greens in reg form over the last 10 or so. The worst is 17th last week at Wentworth. The only problem is you look at his short game, and it's at the moment it's just absolutely. He's always been a wafty putter, um, but everything about him at the moment in his short game is terrible. I just think, like Laporta, who is playing fantastically now, um, like Laporta came back to form at his own home open a couple of weeks ago when he's fourth. Um, I think Luton will find a shot, shot and a half around here. 
overall. Um, and whilst he is short, I can understand why he is. And I uh, don't know what he was earlier. Was he 28, probably, something like that? Yeah. Uh, I, I'd have to put him in. I, I really like Nelson. I think that, yeah, you've got two wins there. You've got a second um, on the court. Well, not on the court, in the event itself. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's flagged up as a Dutch Open, but it is basically KLM. Um, yes. I agree that the, there's pressures there, isn't there? That your home open, and I guess because he's, cause he's come to bat and done it in the past, that's probably why he would be well fancied. I mean, he's, he's been excellent on the European tour for, for how many years now? Um, it does look like he's coming to the twilight. Um, but yeah, I think I, I do agree with you. He does look a little bit short in terms of price. Um, I think that, you know, what is he, 25 to 1, like he said. Um, and, and there's other players that make decent appeal. Um, the other one I mentioned is I mentioned Andrew Johnston, didn't I? And, and whether he would come back to life a bit at Wentworth with the fans. Um, I think he's short enough here at 25 and 28, so I think he was a better bet for. He did, he did, he did come. But. He did come back an awful lot, didn't he? And, sure. and, I, and I think that is that is a massive thing. Yeah, played really, really well over the weekend. Um, but you just don't know what he's going to do, do you, from one day to the next, really, Johnson. Um, lovely to see him back, a bit like Alfie. But, um, yeah, it's a price thing. Like I say, I, I didn't particularly like looking at the price, but I feel you have to put him in, whereas Beef you can leave out, I think. Yeah, I think so too. One player that I think would be a lot harder to uh, leave out would be Shabanka Sharma. Um, it feels like we've been talking about him now in his little resurgence for a number of weeks. Uh, and it hasn't quite come to the fore in terms of of real results. I mean, he's had uh, a ninth, a 16th and 9th, a 50th, 12th and a 9th. So it's very, very solid without actually being in contention. It always feels like he has one round where he kind of drops away. But his ball striking numbers have been absolutely superb, haven't they? Yeah, he's playing brilliant. He's playing brilliant. Um, and he's won at tricky tracks as well. Um, recent form is absolutely awesome, isn't it? He's got 16th of Fairmont, which if we think, you know, you want a uh, fakey type links course, is fine. So he's 16th, that's with a 73 third round. Um, he was ninth at the London Club. The 50th in Switzerland, which seems to ruin his thing, um, he was actually ninth after round three. He had a 76 to go way back, final round. 12th in Italy the week after. He was 115th after after the first round, finished 12th, 66 final round. And, of course, he was ninth last week for the 66 final round as well. Um, lack of length won't matter here. you just got to be tidy. I agree. I, 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 he's, he's flying. He looks fantastic, doesn't he? He's only 25, isn't he? Yeah, which, um, which he feels like yeah. he's been around for a long time now, doesn't it, without... You know, he hasn't. He felt like he, he came to the fore very, very quickly, didn't he? Um, and he played well at the yeah, WGC I mean, in Mexico. Yeah, when you think... That's right. Yeah, he was he was third after... Uh, sorry, uh, he led after three rounds in, yeah. in Mexico, I think. Yeah. He was 22. So, yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, he's, play, he's playing really well. And it looks like he's come back to that kind of form where, you know... It was a player that we were really, really excited on, and it looks like he might come back and fulfil that potential. Um, 30 to 1 slightly on a short side. So is Santiago Bentario. Again, same person uh, in terms of profile in current form. Excellent stuff. Someone that we saw come onto the European Tour 
recently made a step up quite seamlessly and, and your fancy seems to go well again. I do. He played really, really well over the weekend. They, obviously, they show the challenge to highlights. You can't always watch him every week. But um, once again, he was uh, I mean, he's determined to come first on the uh, order of merit. Uh, came from 26th to 2nd over the weekend, last week in Germany, in the big green egg, German whatever. Um, <laughs> what I like about him, I like, I like the fact that he doesn't give up. So he's another one that's worth, worth looking at. So he's, uh, when he won the Czech Challenge in June, he went from 46th to 1st. The Vaudreuil went full sixth to fifth. Um, he's also led. Uh, he's sort of led the Italian Challenge after the third round before just slightly dropping away. Um, he was third. Best one, I think, was when he was live on telly when he uh, the hero, um, and he just kept in third position from Friday to Sunday, uh, which I thought actually was quite impressive. I think he impressed a lot of people that weekend. Yeah, I like him. He was uh, tied second in the uh, grand final on the Challenge Tour last year behind uh, Andre Lisa, if that's how you say it. We might talk about it soon. Um, he wants to be number one there. He's coming over here definitely next year. He's 30, isn't he, I think, Terrio, which which is supposedly the peak of a golfer. But, yeah, I don't think he's peaked yet. And, and uh, you know, coming off a of 63 um, last weekend to close right up and impressing at the hero, I, I, you know. It, again, it's it's short, but you know, it's not it's not got the biggest depth of field, is it? This. Right. What what price could you make him? Because he's had two challenge tour wins: a third, a fifth, a fourth, another fourth, another third, another second, and in between that, he's gone fifteenth uh, and third in the European Tour as well. In his two starts there, so there, yeah, there I think really he was short no anyway, wasn't he? He was short anyway, wasn't he? At the um, couple of European tours anyway, we said the same thing. Yeah. But I think he, he performed and justified it. So. Yeah, so there's three short players there for me, or shortish players there for me. But you know, I'm, I'm reasonably happy about them, to be honest. Reasonably. David Horsey comes to mind for me when we're looking at links. Uh, you know, he was 2016 British Masters. He was 12th at the Grove. Um, he was fourth and sixth here when they, when uh, Carl Phillips did that remodel in 2010-2011. Um, comes in at decent form with second, 13th, 27th, and 30th place finishes in his last six events. And he's just someone that takes advantage of these smaller events, isn't he? Um, you know, you mentioned that he did kind of throw it away in Ireland a bit, but I'm willing to give him another chance. I think that the 45 and 50 to one in this depth of field is is pretty decent. Yeah, I can't argue. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but, but he always seems to be overpriced, though. To be fair, David Holden. Is very, it because, very is it because his, I suppose his winning upside is not. You know, not you say it's not there, but he's he's got four wins on the European tour, so it depends. You know, yes, the winning upside is not there in in the high profile events where you've got a stack of players that have got four or five wins, but he's he's in a field of players that that don't win very often. That's that's why the field is what it is. Absolutely, I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, yeah, he should have won in Ireland, but then Jordan Smith shouldn't have given him the opportunity of winning in Ireland. To be fair, yeah. um, then he goes yeah, last lot. You know, he's played the cup. Uh, last four, three of these last four, and they're not bad. They're all top thirty. Um, you've all got a dodgy round in every single one. Seventy-three uh, at Ash. Um, so you've got a seventy-three final round in Italy, and uh, well, seventy-two is not bad, but seventy-two, seventy-three at um, Wentworth isn't going to do it when conditions are so. But he's still finishing top thirty. I'm not sure his iron game is 
bang on, but he'll, I've no doubt he'll change his, his game suit, his course. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's very, very fair. To, to highlight the, the depth of uh, talent in this field or, you know, current form, I guess, Graham McDowell is best priced 66 to 1. Um, almost a semi retired golfer at this point. So that probably says what you need to say about the field. Uh, also at 66 to 1 is uh, Ricardo Govier, who is someone that is, and Paul Peterson, both of them playing very, very well on the Challenge Tour. Obviously, Ricardo Govier playing the better. He's got two wins. Could have had a third recently as well for that battlefield promotion to the European Tour. Um, the thing I liked about Govier was that you look back at when he has been on the European Tour and he's actually got a number of decent finishes. You know, you see these other guys and you don't quite know whether they can cut it at this level. Um, but he's got a third at the Neg Bank, uh, fifth at the Portugal Masters, seventh at the Qatar Masters, ninth at the British Masters, eighth at the Denmark, seventh at the Portugal Masters. So he's... He plays pretty well, you know, when he's in form, which is very easy to say. But when he is in form, he can play at this level. Yeah, three, the three um, Alder Merit champions in a row were Gouvier, or Gouvier, however you say it, um, Gouvier, Jordan Smith and Aaron Rye. Um, I won't mention what I always mention. Um, but yeah, uh, as we know what Jordan Smith is, is and, and Aaron Rye now, well, Rye is now a PGA Tour player. Um Jordan obviously should have won at least a couple more in his career, and it's just Gouvier to do it, and uh, he's good enough to do it. He's playing well. He likes he likes a tricky. I'm not sure if it's this is the right type of thing for him, but um, it'd be well worth watching if he was to get in at Portugal or certainly Portugal next year. Um, I like him. I, we discussed it earlier. I've always been a fan, and he is playing well. So if you, if you want to back him, absolutely no problem. Um, I I haven't because I think there's quite a few you can make a case for without being too confident. Um, I agree with you. Yeah, Paul Peterson played well last time in the Euro Tour. Um, yeah, again, it's 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 hard to argue with you. Um, because yeah, you know you can make four or five lines for virtually every player um, except the top lot where I think you can find a negative. A proper yeah. negative with them, and that, I think that's that, that's the issue here. Is trying to oppose the top lot, and I'll do the same again on Saturday night, and um, no doubt pick the wrong lot again there. <laughs> right. uh, uh, you know, I like what you said about Gouvier there is that he could just come back and play the Portugal Masters, which I think he will just get into based on invites, or you know, just give him an early spot, and you know, he's, he'll probably be a shorter price, but might want a chance in there on a course that may be more suitable and at home. Um, but I've got two more picks in this one, and we'll go through them. Um, Joachim Lagergren, uh, we talked about, um, you know, the Carl Phillips links there. He's a Sicilian Open winner. He's got three top fours at the Dunhill links. Uh, he shot 62 at Kings Barnes, which is the course that he designed. Uh, seventh and ninth in this event, albeit at different courses. And he was 18th at the Grove as well in 2016 British Masters. Finding a little bit of form now, 35th, 17th, and 27th over the last five. And I think that's enough. I think that, again, we, we'll keep going back to it. And I just think it is the depth of field. I mean, this is a guy that quite often is popular at triple-digit odds. And then he goes really, really short because everyone fancies him one week because he's got that ability to win. Uh, and then he disappears for a little while. But, you know, he's got a really high profile, you know, aside from even those Dunhill links finishes. He's got a whole host of top five finishes, and in this, you know, in this strength, I think he's a pretty good pick. 
I think it's a very good pick, Tom. I think you'd be very proud of that pick. Thank you. <laughs> and and the other one is Lee Slattery. Um, was really really keen on him. Seventh at the 2015 Nordea Masters, uh, British Masters. He was twelfth there in 2016. He was ninth, I believe, at the Scottish Open at Dundonald. Uh, I think he was 120th after round one. So he he really flew up the leaderboard and. Know anything better than a terrible opening round, and he would have uh, he would have had a great chance. Eleventh and thirteenth in Sicily as well, and his you know his strokes gain numbers are ridiculous. In approach, he's gone fifty fifth, forty eighth, nineteenth, ninth, seventh. So he's playing some great golf again. You know we know he has won in the past, albeit you know it's a relatively small event, and it took him a few years. But he's now coming into a weaker event where that iron play where he's finished ninth and seventh will probably see him lead the field if he carries on that way. So. Yeah, I'm pretty keen on these lottery. I'm not, but but yeah, absolutely fair enough, but mate. I think it's just one of those things where I just you look at his price and it's getting shorter, um, and you, you might turn your nose up, but it's just such a weak event that you, you know you just you just got to look for the guys. I mean, I've tried to speculate on new courses a couple of times. This, this year and, and it really hasn't worked out well for me and I just I just want to make sure we have those links and stick with those players but was there any others for you at triple digits that you liked? No I looked at Chase Hanna and you know just because I think we were sort of everyone was impressed I know we were impressed on his little run um, on the European tour in the sort of middle of the summer where he went um, at the hero at Fairmont which may or may not be significant I have no idea um, Tita Green first, approaches first, around the green 12th. Before that, Celtic Manor, 8th Tita Green, second in approaches. Hasn't been in the same form since. Uh, it, it's purely because of what we've seen that I might take the chance. If you sort of three figures on Betfair, which I think is about 90 to 1 on the book, isn't he? Oh, he's 100 to 1 yep. here. So um, yeah, I'll take the chance. Do I think he can win? No. Do I think he can get placed? Yes. So I'll take the chance there. And the only other one was Andre Les Lisa. He won twice on the pro golf tour. Um, I like the fact that he he plays well in continental Europe, fourth in Italy, and, and obviously won in Spain. Beat Richard Mansell, who I had on the shortlist here um, in Spain. Obviously won the grand final ahead of um, Tario. Um, well, I think he's, he's well, certainly at the moment he's a, he's a far better player. But then Lisa's under 25 or whatever, and Tario's 33. You've put up Lisa, I think. Um, couple of times maybe this year yeah, at big prices out, it? But... well it hasn't it hasn't worked out um but again i i think there is a thing where there's certain players that play well all the time in uh, continental europe yeah and the fact that his best his best effort for a while was 12th in germany last week um after a terrible third round as i say plus the good efforts in italy and spain for me suggests that sort of yeah, as I say, mainland Europe, if you like, whatever you want to call it, um, will suit him. Um, and I, I, I say I'll take the chance. He played well in Kenya twice. Um, I think he did. You, you might have put him up for Austria or something. Hmm. Uh, again, he went 80, but 68 in the second round. So he's not he's not playing horrendous. Uh, he got done uh, first round, I think. Yeah, there we are, 76 um, at uh, the European Open, which is a long, long course anyway, and he's be tricky and, and a bit depressing really um so yeah i'll take the chances again it's nothing it's nothing big it's nothing confident 
Um, a bit like uh, Hannah, you're taking a chance. Your lager green bet is a, is a much more sort of obvious bet and a much more consistent bet. But yeah, no, that do I really liked Hannah. Uh, I had him written down, and I, I just put on the end of it that it appeared that he tailed off, and and my concern was like, you know, if he'd have tailed off in a couple of European Tour events when he made the step, I'd, I'd be sort of more uh, willing to go there. But he's kind of missed the cut into European Tour, I think, on 49th, 15th missed cut on the Challenge Tour as well, which just suggests to me that something may have deserted him slightly. Yeah. But like you say, weak event. Uh, high ceiling I think and 101 you ended into place yeah I mean you've got loads of, I mean Sebastian Garcia Rodriguez was, was flying during the summer wasn't he absolutely shocking at the moment hmm. um, but I think if you wanted to take a chance on these on Betfair or something I think I genuinely think you could yep I completely agree um, I'll summarise my picks first uh, for the Dutch Open before we invite our guest in for the, the Fortunate Championship. But uh, Shabunka Sharma, um, I think I'm going to go for it at 30 to 1. I was a bit sort of undecided, but I think the more we talk about it, the more I like. Um, David Horsey is about 40, 45 to 1. Really like the links there. Uh, Joachim Lagergren, 66 to 1. And then uh, Lee Slattery, whose price is, is decreasing, um, but you can still get 125 to 1 with the six places or 90 to 1 with the seven places. Um, yeah, I think that's all I want to do for the Dutch Open. Over to you, Jace. Yeah, very boring. Uh, Jost Loughton at 25, Sharma at 30, Terrio 33. I'm going to go with you, Alar Green, because I think you're right. I think it's a good case. 66, Chase Hanna, 100, and Andre Lisa. 300. Excellent. I like those. Um, we're now going to welcome in Sundog Monkey uh, for the Fortinet. Is it the Fortinet Championship or is it Fortinet Open? I've tried to forget now with all the different names, but I'm pretty sure it's a championship. It's basically a Safeway Open, so if anyone wants to remember that one. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that one and the, uh, the rest of the PJ Tour coming up. So we'll uh, come back to that. And now we're coming on to the Fortinet Championship. We're joined today by Martin Matthews, or as you may know him, Sundog Monkey. Martin, hello. Uh, evening, uh, Tom. Evening, Jason. How are you both? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. Jason, uh, Jason, you will just repeat that you're fine as well, won't you? I'm, I'm marvellous, thanks. Yeah. Marvellous is the word we always look for. Yeah, marvellous is great. Um, Martin, it's been you know at least two weeks since we actually did some PJ Tour golf. Um, you know, tour championship wrapped up there. A lot of these guys in this field weren't actually at the event. Um, John Rahm was, and John Rahm's the favourite this week. I have absolutely no idea why he's playing this tournament, other than his wife may want to come to Napa for a wine tasting session, um, because he is the nine to two clear favourite. Yeah, um, as you say, you, you can only assume that because uh, he because he missed a little bit of golf towards the back end of the season with the with the COVID stuff, obviously that uh, he feels. I mean, you wouldn't have thought he'd feel undercooked, bearing in mind he's been there through the blast, <laughs> but he feels he's he's got a bit in the tank and he needs a warm-up for, um, obviously, the following week. But, uh, yeah, as, as, as you say, you, you sort of... I know he loves a bit of California, or at least down the other end of California, but um, you, you do wonder why he's here. And, uh, of course, uh, we'll be delving in and down sort of to the bigger odds and trying to find our angles and what have you, and it may just be that uh, Mr. Rahm packs up by about 10, sh- 10 shots and walks away with a check, but... Um, yeah, uh, I can't you do remember here. where he's based, Martin. I don't know if you know Jason, whether he's based in California or whether he's based in Arizona. Where he's got. I can't remember now where he lives, but I suppose just having a little pit stop before going over to Western Straits is not the uh, the end of the world. 
Um, I think he's Arizona. Um, yeah. I wouldn't swear to that, but I think he's still over Arizona way, obviously, where he went went to college. But uh, I don't know if you know, Jason? No, I'm afraid not. No, we'll, we'll go based on Arizona and, and someone can uh, tell us we're wrong. Um, yeah, I'm going to check this while we're talking about it. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but, you know, uh, Jason, I think that we're, you know, we're of the people that back, uh, back against favourites anyway, but 9-2 to two, I think is easily opposed for someone that you've got question marks as to why they're even here. Yeah, of course, you couldn't can, can do it, could you? So, um, yeah, like Martin says, he could, he could win by, you know, an absolute distance. Is there any danger he's pulling out at all? Uh, I mean, I think he'll play. I think there's a danger that he just laxes his way to, to Friday and misses a cut. I, don't, I, I think, as far as I can tell, he's going to play. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there's always a danger of these top guys. You've got Webb Simpson firmly in there at 14-1. to 1. He's obviously had the disappointment of not making the Ryder Cup team. Uh, I do wonder if he may be on that reserve list if Brooke Kepps, uh, uh pulls out. But 14-1, to 1, he's the next man up. Kevin Nara is 22 to 1. Hideki Matsuyama, it's 22s, but also 20s generally. Um, and then Will Zalatoris, the, the now confirmed rookie of the year, despite the fact that he wasn't a PJ Tour member. Oh, I'm um, trying to get my head around that one. Yeah, is <laughs> yeah. uh, running off the betting. Was there any appeal to any of those for you, Jason? No. No, that was very easy. Martin, was any of those that you found hardest to put a line through? Um, I was puzzled why uh, Hideki was um, in places a bit bigger than, um, you know, Webb, uh, or that much bigger than Webb. Uh, he's the only one I would have contemplated because uh, he's um, he's got a little bit of form around here. Um, uh, he had a third the first year it was here, but uh, no, I didn't seriously consider any of them, to be honest. I really liked Kevin Nahr. Um, and I think it's only the fact that he's 22 to one when I always talk about him being overpriced that, that I kind of went against him. You know, he's had a second here uh, on his debut, seventh and a 37th to follow. Um, you know, talking of current form, he's only behind John Rahm in this field. Um, so I, I personally think that, that Kevin Nile was a decent price. I think I would uh, quite happily, you know, you look at the Tour Championship, he technically won the, or tied for the 72-hole stroke play with, uh, with John Rahm. Um, and he was 17th and 8th before that in the playoffs and 2nd and 23rd before that as well. So, yeah, I, I really like Kevin Nahr. He's a really, I still think he's underrated, despite the fact everyone's you know now saying that he's underrated. But I find it really hard to get to him at 22-1 because I know he's going to be 66 and 81 very soon. But it looks like the type of event that he will win. Yeah, I mean, he'll, um, he, it's, there's a few players in this you think, well, they'll, they'll play well. But will they win? You know, they're, they're certainly going to be up there, and obviously Nas an obvious one that he'll he'll perform well. But I just would, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's not for me at twenty-two to one, to be honest. The one I think I am going to go for Nar because I think he is a different type of winner than he was before. I think he's he's coming onto that regular winner now as opposed to one that wins in every you know, blue moon. But Harold Varner the third is kind of the guy that fits that profile that you just mentioned. The guys that will probably play well without maybe winning. Um, his current form is excellent. His course form is really, really good. Better than it probably looks on paper. He's made six out of six cuts. Um, but when he was 48th in 2015, he was third after round one, second after round two, and fourth after round three. And then he just blew up. Um, he's got three other top 17s. It was 15th at Wyndham, 11th and 12th in the playoffs. Um, Jason, any thoughts on Harold Varner? My only thoughts are that I listened to last year's preview um, earlier this week and Harold Viner and Joel Damon were shorter than Jordan Spieth by some way. Hmm. Amazing, amazing what a year does, isn't it? 
It does. Um, Imagine what's the price he'd be if he was in the he was, he was hitting it all over. Yeah, he was hitting it all over the shop last last year. Um, I, I couldn't believe it then, and I don't want to be on. I, I mean, this is this is having sort of said that Loughton's not a bad bet at twenty five. So I'm not really sure what I can say about anybody else at his prices. <laughs> um, he wouldn't be for me, but yeah, he's he's, he's good fun to watch, isn't he? He's got the form, but he's he doesn't appeal as a winner to me. Um, it's pretty much it, really. Yeah, Martin. I mean, I like. I, sorry, sorry, Tom. I mean, um, I'm. I mean, Martin will tell me he's far better at this than me, but um, I'm very, very, very biased towards travellers' form. Hugely biased towards travellers' form in this event. So much so yeah. that last year, that was my only thing. I went Kevin Streelman at the price he was, mm-hmm. um, and he finished third behind another travellers' winner. Um, so I mean, Varda hasn't actually not horrendous at uh, River Highlands. So. Um, mm-hmm. And always Kevin Nash. So both, yeah, both make some appeal. But if Varna was in contention on a Sunday, I wouldn't at all be confident that he's either going to win or be placed. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's a fantastic guy by all accounts, and um, you know, let's hope he gets over the line soon. But he's one of these guys that I'm afraid he just doesn't have a line through him at uh, anything in two figures because he's yet to yet to deliver the goods, and uh, he's said plenty of opportunities I couldn't contemplate you know maybe this will be his week but I couldn't contemplate him at that sort of price at all he's, he's just uh, not not for me he, he's um, yeah he's you know he's disappointed so many times I can't um, I, I couldn't side with him at those odds yep no I get that Martin another guy to, you know moving on from how Varna that, that you kind of followed uh, last year and, and probably years before that as well I think you may have been on him when he, when he won this tournament it was Cameron Champ Um there's quite a disparity in his price this week. There's some 40, some 28, some 45s. You know, there's a bit of indecisiveness about him. Um, we have seen in the past that you can win with a really strong off the tee game. Um, back in the winner's circle of late, any thoughts on Cameron Champ? Yeah, uh, well, I was on him when he was in the winner's circle uh, earlier this uh, this this summer at uh, the 3M. Uh, put him up at 125 to 1, so that was one of my, uh, um, my high spots of the last 12 months. And... Um, yeah, obviously I've got a bit of a soft spot for him. The, actually, the the story is, uh, without boring you, gents, the story is that uh, I'm never one of these people who sort of say, well, I nearly backed him at the end of a week or, you know, he was last off the list because I just think it sounds a little bit sour, sour grapes. But the year he won here at something ridiculous like 200 or 250 to 1, he was last off my list and I did nearly back him. And it was one of those, it killed me for several weeks afterwards. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I thought I'm not going to miss it next time he gives that sort of hint in the way that he did before the week before the 3M when he won and the way that he did the week before uh, he won here. So uh, when he um, when he came good at the 3M, that was sort of a revenge, best served cold, as it were. And um, this week, yeah, of course, he, he's got he's got the credentials, he's got the course form, um, he's kept it going reasonably well since, uh, since 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 the win um you know solid but unspectacular I, I think just my general view though heading into this week is is to me it's you've only got to look at sort of the form of some of the winners uh coming in here over the over the sort of you know previous few months to, to see that really course form well current form just doesn't really seem to count for too much and it's almost like it's a it's a reboot or a restart and i mean sync Obviously, was a complete skinner last year and was in horrible form coming in. And um, 
so I just took a view that I didn't really want to touch anyone almost in in two figures and certainly not in sort of the lower end of you know the sub 50 to one because you know any of these guys top end could win anyone you could look at sort of a a Munoz or a Siwoo or a Grillo or a Hoffman who have all shown bits over sort of the last few months and um yeah but um I just wanted to be a little bit more speculative and because it's it's one of those weeks where uh, anything could happen really literally and yeah yeah I, I completely agree with you I think that I generally looked at and I've got a couple of guys and I've already mentioned nah I looked at Varner but decided he probably can't do it and and Jason's got a guy which is going to come on to in a sec uh, you know in this range so there are there are people one is a couple in the in the 80s I want to look at but I agree with you I think it is a speculative event I think that the, the two weeks off lets people reset there's certain guys that love California Cameron Champ is obviously one of them um, but like you say he's probably going to be 201 again not so long so Maybe just wait for that. But Jason, next man up in in the betting was Charlie Hoffman, uh, best price of forty five to one with eight places. Uh, you know, good profile for this event and someone you like. It just looks so solid. I think when you're looking at the likes of Tringali at thirty three, um, Zalatoris who hasn't done it, whatever his talent mm. at twenty eight, you know, uh, and Harry Varner again, we talk about him at thirty five, and then you got Hoffman at a bigger price. So. Um, I think it actually makes some appeal um, if you want to put it in that sort of context. I mean, look, it's all in front of you. There's nothing. There's nothing hidden about Charlie Hoffman. I know last year you mentioned you quite like Texas coming here. You think there's a correlation between there and there, which is absolutely fine. Um, he's got the tie third at, at the Schwab, uh, which suits me because Schwab, um, you know, Colonial Travelers, all those we we linking together, and there's there's lots of form there. But the Travelers itself, which I'm huge on. <coughs> Second, third, seventh, and fifteenth, um, and he retains his sort of top twenty-ish status in approaches and tee to green, which again is absolutely perfect for here. It's nothing hidden. I just thought forty-five. I, I, if it had been thirty-three, it wouldn't have been surprising. No. Um, so, you know, his, his win upside maybe who knows, but his, his credentials are, are fairly obvious, and I'm sure you can find other people. You know, again, you look at Sebastian Munoz. I mean, fair enough, not knocking him. But, you know, should Hoffman be the same price? No, I don't think he should. I think he should be shorter. So, uh, yeah, 45 is fine. I think, like you say, sometimes we say it as a negative that you know what you're getting with a certain player. But with Charlie Hoffman, you do know what you're getting. It's not necessarily a negative. You know, he plays well in the same sort of places. Um, And to sort of re-establish the the sort of link to Texas, I mean, Brendan Steele's won both. Stephen Bowditch won Texas, was second here. Kevin Tway one here, third in Texas. Andre Loop, fourth Texas, tenth here. You know, these are these are players that you wouldn't necessarily expect to play well everywhere. Charlie Hoffman's a, a former winner of the Valero Texas Open, so I think that only uh, really you know firms your interest in him. And to me, I think it's a, a really good odds. So I think that he played, he, he played well in the FedEx, the free, you know, the couple of FedEx that he got through as well. He wasn't that far short of making the, you know, the jolly up, was he? No, and and you look at his his course form, uh, current form. Sorry, he, he's missed one cut, and that was at the Open Championship, which you wouldn't expect him to necessarily play well in anyway. And talking of the Texas Open, he was second there to Spieth, who generally seemed destined to win that week. And since then, he's had what three straight A teams after that, a third at Charles Schwab, and then just kind of a host of middling form, I suppose. Nothing too dangerous, nothing too exciting, but. You know, I just think that you know, it's like you say, forty-five to one. The course that he's proven out in the past, I'm I'm pretty happy to uh, to agree with you there. And, and another guy you kind of like look of was Ches as well. 
Yeah, again, it's, again, it's another one that. But I, I'm just going to repeat the same thing every single time. <laughs> but he's got obviously the win at the Travellers. Um, good, hit, you know, he's reasonable here. He's better all round here than he ever has been. Um, again, it, I, I, there's no hidden. I mean, I think you know, hopefully Martin goes through a couple of the couple of the new little corn ferry graduates. Um, we've put Reeve up before, I think, at big prices. Um, and he's played extremely well. I, I just, it's there again, isn't it? Again, you know, 31st at the Northern Trust, so he's really not far off, is he? Um, as I say, he's got a corrective form. He's extremely accurate when he's bang on his game. He's, I think he's improving around here. You know, that third improves on his 13th and 17th that are here. I've got, it's just, he fits. He fits the Stuart Sink, the Kevin Streelman, you know, that, the Kevin Tway still sort of type of player. 66 to 1. It's just another one that, that is really based on price. I thought if Hoffman had been 33, it wouldn't have surprised me. Reeve maybe at 50 wouldn't have surprised me. Um, again, there's another one a bit later on, but it's, it's more speculative as someone like Doug Gim. I won't go into. Now, I mean, he's only 14 points bigger. Mm. And Reeve's got wins behind him and, and proper places. So, in context, I'm quite happy to take 66. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Roger Sloan for me. I mean, we're going back to the Wyndham Championship, Jason, where you you put up Kevin Kisner as the winner. I put Roger Sloan up in second at 125 to one, and he's not really done an awful lot to deter me. I mean, he hasn't had a chance. He missed a cut at the Northern Trust, but you know, I just think he's got a really good chance of of continuing that form. And you look at the fact he's his uh, Safeway Open. I think he was tied 13th here in 2019, and that was going back to before he went on this little run of form. I just think he's potentially got the guy. I think when you look to that the sort of run of events going into the playoffs, that he was a guy that looks like he's improving. Again, he's not young, so it's not a new thing, but I just think he can carry that on. There's some 80 to 1 about him. There's 66 to 1. Um, so, yeah, I think that Roger Sloan's got um, some cases to be made. Uh, on to Doug Gim. He's a guy, Jason, I suppose you, you sort of pit because he pops up in a lot of what you're looking at in terms of approaches and off the tee he's, he's it's just I think with Doug Gim you have to find the event where length doesn't matter or he's like not, you know not the, the, the prerequisite for winning um, he's just extremely accurate and uh, there's a couple of events we watched last season um, and he just really really impressed me I, what, what event did he led up um, someone remind me he was he led players, up in the he was leading. Yeah, yeah, he was right about the players. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it, he, he crapped himself, didn't he? Hmm. He uh, got very, very nervous in front. But I was very impressed, you know, with his all-round game. And I've been looking for an opportunity, and, and there probably have been a few, and he hasn't taken them up. Um, I, I, I haven't circled him. I've left him on the list, but he's not circled as, a, as, a, as an actual bet now. Um, but he's definitely, I thought he was one. I, I need to keep my eye on it because when the, when it's right, he will contend properly. Um, players necessarily wouldn't have been his, his track, but it was that that caught the eye. Uh, he's just not very consistent, is he? He's, uh, but they, you know, they can turn up at any time and have a, you know. Look, he was a fantastic um, uh, amateur player, wasn't he? Hmm. That game. Mm-hmm. He was up there with the very, very best. Um, and if we're going to start getting 80s in tournaments like this. Um, Perhaps it's worth taking a chance. Uh, again, he may well be just like a top ten or top twenty bit instead, but he will fall over the line. And it's 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 a, he hasn't had enough sort of in contention on a Sunday for us to say, you know, he's a 
Laurie Cantor or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he made he made appeal, but I think he's just not being circled. I think at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with an awful lot of what you're saying there. Like, for, you know, you can't rule him out just because he he threw away a Blazers championship. You know, you had Jason Tom, uh, Justin Thomas, Jason Thomas, that's an interesting one. Uh, Justin Thomas breathing down his neck. Um, you know, he, he was on a decent run of form earlier in the year. He'd been fifth at the American Express, 21st at the Pebble Beach as well. And, and like you say, he had that sort of massive stock of, of amateur form. And I think with someone like Doug Gim, it, it, there's such a high upside. I mean, he was 14th here, wasn't he, last time? Um, and, yeah, I th- it, it's a really fine balance between do you take him at 80-1 because he looks good value in a, in a weaker field, or do you just hope that when he gets to 200-1 in a couple of weeks' time and the fields get stronger again, that he can that he can place in eight places. It's it's a fine balance in that because at eighty to one you don't need you don't even necessarily need him to win because the place is worth sort of you know twenty to one or you know fifteen to one or fifteen to one whatever. But it I'd almost rather just take a chance at a bigger price. And I say that about an awful lot of people, and then you just end up waiting around on them. But he he for me is someone that I would look into that. But we'll come on to the first of your picks, Martin, um, a guy that is uh, a very popular player on tour. Uh, if nothing else, um, you know he he's very well known for popping a collar and and wearing basically no <laughs> buttons, and I think you can probably see a nipple every now and then. Um, Harry Higgs. Yep, um, I'm uh, yeah, I'm going with Harry this week. Having said that, I want to be speculative. I, I was just su- surprised by his odds, and it's a pretty straightforward pick, really, it's as, as straightforward as you can get from the point of what's led me to it, in that it is course form current form which is the obvious mantra of sort of starting point for any golf punter really hmm. uh, and i was expecting him to be a lot shorter to be honest um he played really well here last year to post a post a runner-up uh, he had an albatross on friday a walk-off albatross uh, on, on his way to a 62 um he wasn't phased on the sunday when he was sort of in the hunt down the stretch it was i mean the fact that sink um you know was just in the zone and like a man possessed uh, uh i mean he made an eagle on the 16th uh, shot 68 on the sunday so he certainly didn't uh, didn't show any kind of uh nerve under the gun as it were and um in his interview afterwards he said that uh you, you know he thought he was going to um close it out and it was only sink sort of uh sort of holding everything that um that stopped him from doing so so he he, he didn't seem phased he, he knows how to win he's done so on the corn ferry tour and also the um latino america tour and um he, he obviously likes the course because he played well here the year before as well um 23rd i think from memory so add that to the fact that um he had a really good solid playoff i mean he's certainly been hit and miss for the last 12 months there's no denying that um but uh, he had a, you know a good run in the, in, in the playoffs um did what was needed to uh, make the bmw and um you know showed a nice bit of form to end the season uh, I, I just think he'll come here in good spirits uh, it's obviously a course he likes um as i say he knows how to win um and and i, I just think the thing about this this course and it's hard to define really but you, you look at the type of people who, who who have won here to a certain extent and, and they're all people who can sort of catch lightning in a bottle almost and and that's the sort of player I'm, I'm looking for this week someone who can make loads of birdies go low bit inconsistent bit hit and miss you know Cameron Champ or Kevin Tway um and um yeah so he just appealed to me on that basis so uh, and so i was pleasantly surprised by the odds i was thinking he'd be sort of 50s 66s so um yeah he's, he's he's the first off the uh rank for me this week 
Yeah, I mean, I think that Harry Higgs goes anywhere in good spirits. He's a quite cheerful guy. He probably does a lot of drinking and, you know, generally doesn't look after himself very, very well. So I think, yeah, I think, I think like you say, he's, you look at his current form as well. You know, forget about the fact he's played two, two events very, very well here. I think he was one of those guys that, you know, you're never unfortunate to shoot at 62, but it's always really hard to follow up after, you know, Friday 62. You're going to shoot something closer to the 70s if not 70 on a Saturday and that's exactly what he did and then he had to kind of battle his way back on the Sunday and, and try and take on Stuart Sink so I certainly wouldn't hold that against him 15th for the Wyndham Championship 16th for the Northern Trust 38 for the BMW all respectable finishes to end the season he had that fall for the PJ Championship as well didn't he yeah so, absolutely yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know we, we know he's talented I, I just think that you know, I don't. I don't know whether it's a bit, a bit of dedication, maybe with someone like Harry Higgs. I think that's maybe a bit of an assumption on my part based on his personality. Um, but there's another trio of sort of hundreds one golfers here, um, and I'll start with Brian Stewart just because he was right behind uh, Harry Higgs last time out at Safeway Open, um, who, who's really taken to this golf course after years of of really hating it. So he opened with two missed cuts, and then he shot a uh, 62nd and 53rd. Um, 17th and 3rd his last two visits here he was first after 54 holes last year as well um, we talk about the fact that the, the Texas Open may be a link I think he's had a 4th place finish there as well so I really like Brian Stewart he's in some decent form he was 15th for the Wyndham 6th for the 3M 15th for the Barbasol 8th for the John Deere so playing some really good stuff and he's available 100 to 1 Brendan Steele was obviously a 2 time winner of this event he was available 100 to 1 earlier 90 to 1 about the the price with eight places now so i think just based on you know i don't really care about his current form i think he just turns up here and does it and the other one who's is a guy that i never really know what to make of i always thought he was a bit overrated then he kind of disappeared off the face of the planet and it's taken him a while to get back into the to the consistency he had before but adam hadwin is someone that's sort of coming back to the fall. yeah yeah you know, he's mm-hmm. played you know, his last four events. He's missed two cuts, but the two times he's made the weekend, 10th at the Wyndham, 6th at the 3M Open. Um, earlier on in the year, he's 8th at the Charles Schwab, 8th at the Honda Classic. So when he comes to an event that sort of suits him, he does seem to appear. And he was second in the Safeway here in two, uh, 2019. Um, and he's played some really good golf, hasn't he, uh, over at the Desert Classic and the Career Builder, where he's sort of second and third sort of every year. So mm-hmm. he obviously likes this part of the world, Jason. I, I just thought Adam Hadwin was interesting. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and there is obviously you've got that very loose Canadian link as well. Hmm. Yeah, agree. I, I, there there are there's like we said about the um, Dutch. There are some obvious ones, but there are definitely sort of three or four sentences you can make in a, a huge number of these. As Martin says, you know, you're two weeks off, it's the sort of tournament where anybody can come through and and win really. And if you've got a case, you've got a case, haven't you? It's hard to it's hard to argue against. Yeah, I think that. You know, we're looking at 101 golfers this week that that have real winning upside and real credentials. Whereas sometimes you're looking at 101, you're looking at just place value and you know taking on the head of the market and hoping the 33 to one doesn't run away with it or the 16 to one favourite, whatever. You know, this is this is a time where there's probably 10 players at 80 to one, 100 to one that you generally think can win. Um, Martin, you must do so because your next two selections are 100 to one as well. Um, they are, they are. Um, my next man is, um, how do I get the pronunciation here? Sohith Thigala. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, he's, he's a new name um, to, well, 
to, to some people it'll be a new name to others um it'll be someone that uh, they've been keeping a close eye on and, and every year you get i mean uh, jason alluded to the sort of crop of rookies earlier and, and every year you'll get your crop of rookies and with the greatest, greatest respect to some of them getting on the tour is probably about as far as they'll go and they'll plod along you know make a um a couple of top 20s and unfortunately you know slip back down again but then there's the others of course who are the superstars coming through um the Pereiras and um Figala's another one of them and um he, he, he's here to stay um if you don't know too much about him uh he's a California guy through and through that's the first thing that um you know, if he's going to, because I appreciate it's very, very early days for him, but uh, if he's going to strike anywhere, you would think it would be in California. Um, he went to college in California, a little bit further down the coast, and um, he uh, cleaned up on the college circuit, uh, as a lot of these sort of superstar guys in the making do. Uh, he won all the, the sort of awards that, uh, you know, go the way of the best collegiate players. Um, he... Uh, Got uh, got a start at Riviera, which I'll touch on a little bit more, back in 2017 and made made the cut there. Uh, turned pro 2020, uh, missed his first few cuts on the sort of sponsored exemptions that uh, the players, the superstar players coming through tend to get uh, when they first turn pro, travellers, etc. Uh, but he played here last uh, last year and um, finished, um, finished 14th, uh, which is still to date his best result on tour. Uh, did some decent stuff on the Corn Ferry through the through the year. Was sort of a year behind on the rankings for the rest of the guys who were basically playing over a two year ranking because of the COVID situation. Yeah. Um, got into the playoffs and then last two starts, six and fourth, PGA Tour card, boom, away he goes basically. So he's he's, he's someone who pretty you know of course there's been so many can't miss kids who have missed that you can't be certain <laughs> but uh I, I'm, I'm as certain as he can be that he's going to make an impact out here and as i say if he's going to make an impact this year it'll be california uh, most likely um he's in great form coming in uh he lists riviera as one of his top three favorite courses and um i know you guys have touched on the link with the travelers and texas and what, what have you but when this course first came on tour, there was quite a few players who, who said, you know, I'll go back a few years now, who said that uh, it bore a bit of a sort of, you know, loose similarity to Riviera. Uh, and then you start to look at Sang Moon Bay winning here in the first year, who had featured prominently at, um, at, at Riviera. Um, likes of Snedeker playing here a couple of years ago, who's obviously, um, you know, a bit of a California specialist and has, has played well at Riviera. Um, uh, who else we got? Uh, um, Ryan Moore has, has played well here, and he's got a good record at Riviera. So there's def definitely, to me, a bit of a, a Riviera link. And um, a lot of my picks will touch on that later on as well, my bigger price picks. Um, so with, with the gala saying he loves Riviera, and, and having played here, well here last year, he, he, he seemed worth... Um, worth chancing to sort of maybe be ahead of the bookies with him slightly, as it were, because I don't think he'll be those sort of odds for too long. Yeah, no, I think, you know, even even if it didn't bear similarities with Riviera, and of course, I think any California form generally stands up pretty well, you know, you get kind of cooler starts in a lot of the California places in the morning and burns off into heat in the afternoon, and it takes a certain type of person to enjoy that. Uh, the green surfaces sort of vary over there, so... I think in general, I mean, you look at that Pepperdine University he came from, it was, it's absolutely amazing. I reckon it's probably one of the most picturesque universities to go to. So I think he's going to be a guy that will stay in California for the rest of his life. And like you say, it's it's a case of, of when do you hit them? I mean, 
Jason, we were talking about Thagala, weren't we, last year, and, and uh, Ash Cabot's here and people like that. Well, just back... 400 to 1. Yeah. Sorry, Tom, just Come about on. exactly to mention exactly the same name Looking at when you look at last year's leaderboard. Um, both those, both those I've, I've you know, put little asterisks by. Um, I was hoping actually Batia would be playing. He isn't, so yeah, Thigala, absolutely. Yeah, got to get on them before they do it, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I think actually is the same. They're, they're guys that, like Martin said, you, you don't want to say they can't miss kids because it does happen. Um, but we tend to see that even the ones that are can't miss kids, they do eventually, after a period of time, come back into the circle and do it. One of your picks that you come on later, Martin, is someone yeah. that come out of university and you should have won yeah. by now and everyone would have talked about him winning three or four titles by now and hasn't done so, but he will. And it will yeah. happen because of the stock that he's got. Uh, whether it's this week, we don't know, but he's got as good a week as any for him. Um, but yeah, I think it's just... It, there's a fine line between not getting carried away and just completely dismissing them just because they are rookies and or, or younger talents. Um, and thinking they can't get over the line. But another one for you at 100 to 1 as well, a bit more of an experienced player. Uh, yeah, Scott Piercy. Um, for those who follow me, they'll know that uh, I put him up at the Barracuda uh, towards the back end of the last season where he did a, a very nice favour. Uh, he's always someone for a desert event. Uh, he's a, a Vegas guy. And um, he, he's always been a player to me as well who, when he gets a bit of momentum going, he can sort of stay hot for a little while. And, and it was a really poor season for him as a whole. Um, sort of only going the one way in, into his 40s now. It looked like he, you know, he could be sliding in inexorably, sort of a uh, down the ladder, as it were. But um, he, he managed to pull something together just when it mattered. Um, top top three at the Barracuda didn't quite uh, win it for us, unfortunately. But top three at the Barracuda and, and rode the wave into the Wyndham the following week to make the playoffs. So um, he, he definitely should have found a little bit of confidence from that. The putter, which he was, I think, 180th odd on tour last season for, uh, finally warmed up a little bit, which is is a good sign. Um, and the iron play was a bit better as well, particularly at the Barracuda. So, um, yeah, I, I just thought, and again, there's, there's so much, I mean, if you look at this event over the recent years, and um, I know I'm contradicting, contradicting myself slightly in the fact that I'm talking about a guy here who's coming in with a little bit of momentum and form, but players have won here who have just done nothing towards the back end of the year. You know, as I say, Sink's the obvious example. He was in hopeless form through the year. Um, Cameron Champ had really not been doing anything, and then, then he sort of popped up here with, with, with the win, having played slightly better in his previous start. Uh, even Brendan Steele, the course specialist, had been in pretty poor form. So, so it's a really anything can goes event. And 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 Piercy's just one of those sort of players again who knows how to go low, which is what need what's needed here. Can take the par fives apart. Um, you, you know, he's still pretty long off the tee. Uh, and um, he has played well here before. That's uh, obviously another key as well. He's got a third place. Um, uh, you know, a few years back here uh, when he had a 62 in the bank that year. So um, he obviously knows how to play the course. So just just thought he was... I've taken the 100 to 1 for the 10 places, but there is bigger out if you want uh, want the 8 places. But I just thought he was worth a roll of the dice. Yeah, I like that. Um, Jason, we'll come to you because we want everyone to make sure that you know you're still here um, because me and Martin have a great discussion between ourselves and, and leaving you in the corner there. Um, a couple of guys here at Triple Digits. Um, I actually just just try to confirm my thoughts about Adam Schenk as well, hmm. um, who looks to be looks to be improving. Now, we, again, we mentioned a couple of times last year, 
played really well. Played fourth in the John Deere, fifteenth in the Barbazol. Um, again, just outside the top thirty of the Northern Trust. Um, not not a guy. Was that you, I, was I don't know what that. he's going to do. His Sorry. putting looks to be improving um, quite a lot, and that, and that may be significant by the end of this week. Uh, you know, he's fourteenth here three years ago. Um, he's a better player now. Um, he, he's literally he was on the list of possibles, but I think he's. Um, it might be more than the possible now, 110 to 1. I think, sorry, just to cut over you there, was because you talk about the fact he was just outside of the Northern Trust, outside the top 30. He's not a guy you'd expect to be in the FedEx Cup playoffs, would you? No. He's someone that's made a really good run at it. Without really, he's not a guy that's finished a couple of high finishes. He's just been generally consistent across the board. Um, and, and maybe someone that is improving, like you said there, and maybe the passing is what turned it around for him. Yeah, plenty of 64s there as well on his card, 64, 63s. Um, yeah, just into 64 round two at Northern Trust is pretty good. Um, I've just sort of added him in. I mean, one I will mention that we, that we like, gloss over, didn't just mention him, I don't know why, was uh, in the sort of steel sink type thing. It was uh, Brendan Todd yeah. um, at 66. You know, he was ranked 2006 in 2018. A year later, was ranked in the top 60, now ranked 47. Um, again, you know, uh, I like his overall profile. Um, he's playing well, you know, and he is actually playing okay. He's just, oh, look, I've pressed the thing that makes my screen all big and I can't read anything. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, <laughs> that works, doesn't it? I mean, Green's, you know, accuracy is, is is his game all over. He's got to give himself loads and loads of chances here. Um, Green's in reg and, and sort of scrambling. Wyndham was excellent. At Travellers, he led um, after three rounds at the Travellers with some amazing figures, to be honest. First in accuracy, first in green to red, 10th in scrambling, 10th uh, tee to green, 13th in approaches. Um, and that backs up 11th and 15th at uh, River Highlands as well. Um, he's got the Schwab as well, which I always like to link in if you want that. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's playing really, really well. Um, we'll see what happens after two weeks off. I don't think it. this is a player where it, it doesn't do any harm in having, having time off, as we've seen. You know, he comes from nowhere and like I say, two tournaments ago, he was 10th at the Wyndham, finishing 65-66. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I should have said him earlier, but yeah, yeah, I, I really like him. He's another one at 66 that I thought, if they put him in at 50-55, that's the price he should be. So, um, yeah, I'll put that, that one in again. Again, absolutely no, nothing there to, that's hidden from anybody, but, you know, why is he the price he is? Uh, in terms of, I, I just... I think Tyler is Tyler Moore hundred. Tyler Moore, yeah. Sorry, Tyler Moore. Is he a hundred? Oh, yeah. he counts in. Yeah. So he's one that I'm interested in. The ones that go up again, you know, I'll be interested to see what Martin says about the Corn Ferry graduates. Um, obviously, he's had he's had spells, you know, at the level before. Um, not had a very good time health wise recently. Um, I think came back at the end of 2020, and since then, 20 starts, there 12 top tens, including a win. Um, I've no idea who's going to be the best one. I know he's slightly more exposed than than a couple of the others. Uh, I, was, I was really interested to see how how he performs. Is obviously Grayson Sig that I'm sure you're going to talk about. It was a bit more obvious, um, but the runner form that he that, that that Taylor Moore had. Taylor Tyler Taylor Moore. <laughs> you were right. It was Taylor name. Moore. <laughs> I can't see his name. Like I say, blinking red tie ones. Uh, right. So look at the runner's form. His runner figures is fantastic. He's got. Hundreds of rounds under under sixty. Um, his greens and reg is awesome. Um, I would take the chance at three figures. 
Yeah, I think so. I think that, like you said, with Brendan Todd, I was kind of a little bit put off that if he was going to do well, he'd have done here well in the past. And I've just looked as when you talk about him, he's only played here twice and he was 26th on debut and missed one cut and that was when he was out of form. So I think that 26th probably speaks more to what we can expect from him this time around. Um, it was always going to be difficult to follow up the year that he'd had. Um, there was a 7th place finish at the Texas Open uh, for your other man, Adam Schenk as well, which is why he kind of come up on my list. So that kind of, if that gives you any further confidence in that, that's always good as well. Um, a couple of others for me that I'll mention before letting Martin go into his final sort of trio of selections. Um, the first well, one came two up. left. All two <laughs> left. There you go. We'll just, just chuck another one in there. Uh, there was you. one more I've got, I, I nearly added, so uh, you're reading my mind. Uh, <laughs> um, the first one for me was Hudson Swafford at 125 to 1. Um, this is a guy that's been playing some, some really, really good golf of late. Um, and, he, and he's played well here in the past as well without really excelling. Um, but you think that the 125 to one about a player that you know, you know the run that he was on um, during the playoffs, which is a player that you wouldn't necessarily expect you know to do that. But 11th, first seven of the Wyndham, then 11th for the Northern Trust, 17th for the BMW Championship, um, and then you know just to, to come into this event um, off the back of that form and just have his strokes gain numbers were fine, fourth, uh, 11th, and 16th, so actually more than fine strokes gain approach, second in the field currently. I just thought 125 to one about a player of that profile uh, was really, really big. Um, Chesson Hadley, I thought was interesting. He's played well here a couple of times he, in the he past. He was the other side of own Tom, but he, was the, he was the other one that I nearly had. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you were reading my mind. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there we go then. We can go into Chesson Hadley a little bit and you can kind of back me up because for me, he was a guy that just looked... I mean, he, he, was, he was in tears, wasn't he, of Amanda Balionis at the end of that Wyndham Championship. He finished tied 15th. Um, was the beneficiary of Justin Rose missing that short putt to miss out on the playoffs. Uh, had a hole in one. I think, was it, I can't remember, was it, was it a 62, was it, that he shot on the final day? Yeah, 62 on the final day uh, to get his card, which is pretty exceptional. He was second at the Palmetto, which by all accounts he should have won. Um, he did he did full apart down the back nine there. He did, yeah. And to Garrick Higo, of course. But he, he's a guy that just turns up on golf courses that he's done well at in the past. He... He likes a low-scoring affair, and I actually thought he might be someone that you would put up, which explains why he was someone that was just off your list, because he was third here, I can't remember what year it was now, but it was three or four years ago now, and then yeah. 23rd and 14th over the last two starts as well. Yeah, um, I was close to putting him up. Uh, it was um, it was between him or Piercy, to be honest, and it was just the fact that I think Piercy's got that little bit more winning pedigree or winning potential about him to actually get over the line now maybe I'm being a bit unfair to Chesson or maybe I'm reading a bit too much into um, the Palmetto um, performance yeah. as it were but uh, he, he's obviously got the got the one win I mean he's, he's won a few times on the Corn Ferry of course but he's got uh, got the one win quite a lot I think it was Puerto Rico wasn't it a few years quite a few years back now yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't broken the curse like Fee now yeah, so, um, so so yeah um that just put me off slightly, but um, he, he could certainly take that uh, that inspiration from uh, getting the job done at the Wyndham and um, you know build on that. Uh, so so he was certainly someone I considered really strongly, but Piercy just got the nod uh, because I, I just think he's got that little bit more potential to get over the line. And uh, I did also like just coming back to Piercy. I sort of 
thought that the fact that last season's full series had a little bit of the sort of over 40s um, something about it you know the older guys and obviously Stuart Sink started it off here uh, and in general the full series has had a bit of that of, of, of late uh, obviously Cooch a few years back and and um, uh, well, um, uh, God's game's gone right on my head. Uh, Cooch, of, Cooch a few years back, Charles Howell, uh, who's uh, turned falls, you know, getting his, his, his win um, a couple of years ago, and I think maybe he was just on the cusp of 40. So so I just thought Piercy might sort of, you know, take a bit of inspiration from that and what Sink did here last year. So that was why he got the nod over Hadley, but uh, I would certainly wouldn't put anyone off Hadley. One letter out from Piercy is Cameron Percy. Um, yeah. <laughs> who is someone who's, who's fourth and seventh his last two starts in strokes gain approach, which have only yielded uh, 37th and 34th place finishes, but just been on a really, really solid run of form without, you know, excelling. He was 11th at the John Deere was his best finish in that time, but he's never finished worse than that 64th at the Barracuda, which I don't really care about. Um, his course form here is really, really good. I mean, he's got a 26th place finish on debut way back when, um, he was 13th, 12th, and 17th for the first two rounds, uh, first three rounds, sorry. He was 7th um, two starts ago here, uh, with a 67 on the final day. But it was actually the, the last start in terms of his 23rd, but he was 2nd after round 1, 3rd after round 2, and 1st after round 3, which I think is quite significant for someone to have that kind of bank of form at this event. For someone that really has never broken through on the PJ Tour. I mean, I think he's 47 years of age, and I like the fact he talks about the the older guys coming out there because he had a Corn Ferry win in 2014, which is still pretty late on for someone of his age. Um, but it just it just looks like if he's ever going to do it on the PJ Tour, this might be it. Pebble Beach is someone that's good for him, but just the way he's hitting the ball, um, he's played well in Texas before, 15th place finish there, clearly likes his pace. I thought 175 to one about him was quite big. Are you asking me or Jason? Either one of you. <laughs> Jason, do you want to comment first? No, go on, Martin. No, go on. Um, he's just not a winner for me. And, and of course, at those odds, obviously, Tom, totally get it. You're not, uh, you know, you pick five players and one of them comes fourth at 175 to one for the week. Uh, you, you're making some nice money and you, you're moving on. So, yeah, of course, I'm, I'm, I, I totally that, understand that. Is, that that but... is purely it because if he was 100 yeah. to one, I would have just left him out. Um, yeah. But just the 175 to one, you can get 200 to one if you want to take the five places, yeah. but I'll have the eight places and. And just hope, you know, he's, he's had that seventh place finish here. He should have finished in the top ten last year after, you know, being first after 54. I just, the way he's hitting the ball, I can see. Yeah, really no, f- f- fair comment. Uh, I just, uh, for, for me, um, I either like, if you know, even at the bigger odds, someone who, who's, I know he's won on the corn ferry, but someone who's got, got wins under their belt or they're, you know, younger, unexposed players where you're still thinking, okay, we don't quite know what they've they've got about them. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, um, I guess I just um, he's, he's someone I tend to stick a line through. To be honest, maybe I'm being hope you know totally unfair to him, and this this could be his week, and I will have egg on my face and be congratulating him on Twitter on Sunday night if it is. But uh, um, and if he gets the place, obviously, of course, that's a great week, as I say. Yeah, give us your last two, then, Martin, because I've got one at three hundred to one, and then I'll, I think we can pretty much round them up. Right, well, talking about uh, backing people who I think can uh, win eventually, um, uh, it's uh, Pat Rogers for me mm. again, uh, who, uh, as my regulars, followers will know, uh, is someone who's, um, I'll openly admit, been a little bit costly for me over the last, uh, well, 12, 12, 18 months. Um, I've, I've shied away for the last, uh, sort of, uh, you know, certainly the last six, six weeks, seven weeks or so, but um, in, in the summer, uh, he, he looked like, 
he was finding a little something um, but it was the weekends were just getting really costly for him he, he was starting off well and couldn't couldn't finish things off and, and quail hollow was the obvious example where i mean we all know enough about pat rogers to know that he's he's got the pedigree he's one of these can't miss kids who so far has missed unfortunately but like you alluded to earlier tom i think it will happen um he's he's, he's still uh, only 29 i think it, it will it will happen and, and when he gets the win i think um, you know two two or three will come and um you know it'll all, all click together but uh he's not been able to do it yet and, and the weekends um have been his problem and uh i was on at quail hollow back in the summer uh where it's a course he played well at before and he sort of found something out of nowhere as I hoped he would but then it all went wrong on the Saturday and that seemed to start a period of where weekends started letting him down uh, lost the card finished 128th after missing the cut at Wyndham um, he'd still obviously got a you know, decent amount of starts at 128 in that 125 to 150 category but um, he, he's the Iron Man of the Tour even more than um, uh, Mr. Im, and uh, he uh, headed to the finals and um, got his car back. And what I like is the fact that he did produce it under pressure on, on in that last event at the um, Corn Ferry Final Championship. Uh, he produced it under pressure, produced uh, 68, I think it was, or 67 on the Sunday that he needed. Uh, you know, hold a decent putt on the last, which literally could have been the difference between being in and being out. Uh, so. I'm hoping that will give him the confidence to go. I know he's got had a new caddy on his bag for you know the last six weeks or so. He changed his ball in the summer, all this kind of stuff. So, um, and he's got the pedigree. He, he's got some decent Riviera form, which I uh, alluded to earlier as, as being the good link. Uh, he's played well here before, so I, I just thought, okay, let's take another chance that he, he comes on from the you know the, the the job he did in the corn ferry finals and um yeah so he, he he's won for me 150 to one i'm happy to, to roll the dice that this is this is finally the week and um if you want me to go on to the other one tom it's yeah, um, it. it's uh han james han and um <laughs> Love uh, on, yeah, yeah, so well <laughs> uh, and um he as we know of course also can it's a law unto himself and uh, he's he nearly did it again at the uh, Barbasol, um, I believe it was in the summer, where on the back of the seven straight missed cuts, he uh, shot 60 on the Saturday and uh, was in with a great chance, but ended up um, not, not quite getting the job done. But um, again, he's played well here before. Uh, he, he likes the track. Again, he's won at Riviera, so there's the link there. Uh, he's um, he, he went to college, um, Barclay, Cal Barclay, or, or, or whatever they call it, uh, just up the road uh, or down the road. And um, so he's he's very comfortable in the area, one would like to think. Uh, so, yeah, having shown a little bit of something towards the end of last season, I just thought the 200 to 1 for someone we know does know how to win. Uh, in again, come back to the fact it's an event where really anything goes and people start with a new mindset. I, I just thought he was worth risking. Yeah, James Hahn, I think, is someone that just you can always back just to, you know, a big price. He's always going to be a big price because he goes on this massive run of missed cuts and then does win. And we know once he gets himself in contention, he can do it. You talk about Riviera winning there, big scalp. Um, Patrick Rogers, Jason, is someone that you, you've followed quite a lot and, and do like. Statistically, he comes off a lot in the models, doesn't he? Yeah, there's a few, isn't there? There's a few. There's him, Pat and Kazaya, all that, all that lot. I'm currently looking at Adam Long, uh, you know, who's who's only winners in the desert, and from Hadwin, who you like, and obviously Phil. Um, 
What do you do? Yeah, what do you do? How many? But I agree. I, you know, I, I, like I said before, it's one of them weeks where it's very, very hard to argue with anybody. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Rogers, and I agree with you. At some point, he'll do it, and it's it's how long you keep going with them, isn't it? Um, you bang your head against a brick wall, and then suddenly they turn up and place in, you know, a top grade tournament, 150, and it drives around the bend. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with him. He's, he's playing very, very well. Got back, and Martin says he's got all those little bits that that help them mentally, isn't it? So why not? Like I said, I looked at Long as well because I, I mean, keep going on and on and on, can't you? Yeah, yeah, that's as cool. we do. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so I mean, it really is a guy. There's there's about one of you know anyone about 20 players could win this week, and you you, you I mean, obviously this case most weeks, but you could look at them and you could think, okay, yeah, they were the sort of guy. I mean, you know, Brandon Hayy, decent form, California guy. Um, Bronson Bagoon goes low on uh, <laughs> courses, uh, second, you know, to get his car back, bits of form here. Um, so, yeah, you could go on and on at, at, at big odds with guys there that um, you think might just bring something to the party based on something they've done in the Corn Ferry finals or, or just over the back end of the last few weeks. And, um, yeah, you pay your money and take your choices, um, as, as you often say, Jason. Yep, I agree with that totally. And just just one more, and, and it's of the same ilk as James Hahn. Um, you know, we never know quite what he's going to do, but when he does get there, uh, got a very good profile. Is Andrew Landry? Um, you know, he's one in Texas, which is obviously a link to this. He won in California. He won the Desert Classic, uh, and he's played well in there in the past as well. But he's got a seventh place finish here on his debut. He had a 66, but wasn't great, but still made the cut. And then he was 23rd here two years ago when he shot a 65 opening round to uh, to lead after round one and was 15th after 54 holes as well. And I just thought that the 300s one about him, he had bookend 65s uh, at the Wyndham Championship, which, you know, will get lost in the fact that he finished tied 51st. So that sort of surprised me and, and kind of stuck out. And I think it was uh, 27th he was in strokes getting approached there as well. So for me... I think it's 300 to one about a guy that we know can win in a in a bunch of question marks. I I quite like that. So the more I, that I think about it, and the more I look at guys that I looked at, like Varner's definitely out. I think Sloan is probably out, and I think I'm pretty happy just to roll with the likes of Hadwin, Stewart, Percy, um, Landry, Swafford, and, and Hadwin. Uh, not Hadwin, Hadley. So I think that's pretty much it for me. Jason, any other thoughts? No. Like I say, it'd be interesting to see how the um, how the graduates progress during the year. We saw what's happening. But having said that, we we say that all the time, and every one that we pick out, or every two that we pick out, that we're very very impressed with, we sometimes forget that there's another. How many there is? Ten, fifteen. But to be honest, the top grade never hears from again. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, this is complete. Um, off, off the fly comment, but um, I'm, I'm talking about the you know the, the proper rookie graduates as opposed to the guys like sort of mm. Pat Rogers who have you know won yeah. the card back or, or what have you. But uh, I know you follow your college stuff uh, really closely, Tom. Mm. Um, there's a paucity of West Coast guys who have come through this year. I don't know if you've noticed that. There's an awful lot of Georgia-based blokes. I mean, 
Um, obviously, Zalatoris has been classed as a graduate, and he he's Calif- California born, but uh, but I'm not counting him because he was there last year. And we know yeah, what he do. But yeah. there's a, so there's a there's a, there's a paucity of um, I think Brandon Wu's a California guy because obviously I was looking for guys with California connections this week, and I think Brandon Wu's a California guy. But um, beyond that, there's a whole host of blokes who have. Um, you know, sort of a uh, Grace and Sig, etc., who are all sort of a uh, Georgia-based, or um, there's a few Mississippi guys this year actually, uh, but very little coming out of California. So uh, just, yeah, uh, it's, it's they are kind of dotted around, and you, you talk about Georgia there with Grace and Sig is is the fact that he's one of the ones I like, and I think that he's going to have a lot of kind of mentors, and you know, lots of Kevin Kisner or Harris English, I think talks about an awful lot. Um, Hudson Swaffer was there as a, as a Georgia guy as well, so he's got he's kind of got those guys to lean on. I think that could be a massive factor. I mean, we, we saw a lot of Davis Riley earlier in the year because he was sort of going head to head with Zalatoris an awful lot. They're roommates, so that's going to be a big thing for them to see how he gets on. Max McGreevy was someone that was very well talked about for a long time, but the trouble is with the Corn Ferries, there's been a lot of guys that have just got hot for a very long period of time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they go for four weeks and then someone else comes out and goes for four weeks. And never, it's not like when Sun JM came out on the Corn Ferry, it was like, right, he's the guy. And they, he led in Greensdale regulation, yeah. led in driving accuracy. And you thought, right, he's going to come out and he's going to be an absolute star. This time around, this current crop, it feels like I don't really know who's going to make the step up. I mean, Mito Pereira, um, and Steven Jaeger are the two that are kind of getting floated about because they've won so many times and Jaeger's I think second in the all-time Corn Ferry list but he's a guy that we, we've seen for years on the PJ Tour and Yeah, he's, nothing, I mean you it? have to sort of think he's got to eventually do I mean I was putting them up on the PGA Tour first time around or even I'm not sure if it's second or third spin but certainly mm. it's set, set second spin but I was putting on up based on the, the sort of 58 and what have you and the low yeah. scoring events and uh and, and yeah, got, I mean, he's how many times has he won on the Corn Ferry now? Sort of, he's seven you know, times, isn't he? He's seven, seven, seven or eight or something. So, he's, but he's just done nothing on the, um, on, on you know, when he's had his chance on the PGA Tour, which is very strange. But um, maybe he's going to be a late bloomer on that level. I mean, that's the thing. Sorry, he's six times and seven is, is the lead. But he had a chance to get to seven, I think, quite a few times last year. And... Again, like me and Jason say quite a lot about people, you you, you kind of know what he is. I mean, when he came on to the European tour, I think for the the BMW Internationals, quite keen on him because I thought you know he's returning to Germany, which is obviously his, his home, you know where he's born, and maybe that'll be it. But he's finished twenty, he finished thirty fourth in the twenty twenty U.S. Open. I just it just feels like this time might be slightly different. He's only thirty two, so maybe he has yeah, matured, yeah. and course, we, know, yeah, yeah. we know he can yeah. obviously win when he gets in contention, as we've seen, but. You look at the guys that he's beaten as well. I mean, the Ryan Gibson is one he beat with a 58. Um, not really heard much about him since. Tyler Duncan's obviously a winner on the PJ Tour, but otherwise it's been Andrew Yunzing, General Zhang. So Dan McCarthy he beat. Uh, David Lipsky, someone that was a scout last time out. And he has beaten Sung Jae-im. So it's a very mix of like he's beaten yeah, yeah, yeah. and beaten really high-profile players. So it will be interesting to see. But... I think we can uh, summarise our picks there. So I'll sort of go first. I do like Kevin Nah. I think that I think I want one from the top because it's, it's good to have one. Twenty-two to one, um, and then it's just going to be a whole host of hundreds one shots. I mean, Adam Hadwin, Brian Stewart, um, Chesson Hadley there at slightly bigger, Hudson Swafford at slightly bigger as well, and then Cameron Percy one seventy-five and Andrew Landry at two fifty. Uh, Martin, if you can summarise your picks, and then Jason for me. 
Absolutely, yep. Um, so we've got Harry Higgs, um, 100 to 1 uh, for the eight places. Um, uh, Sohith Thigala, 100 to 1 uh, for the eight places. Scott Piercy was 100 to 1 for the 10 places, but I think that's gone now. But um, there's still three figures for the eight places, obviously. Uh, Pat Rogers, 150 to 1, uh, eight places. Uh, and James Hahn, 200 to 1 for the eight places. Uh, I would, if I may, just say the only player I seriously we haven't mentioned at all yet and seriously considered under the 100 to 1 bracket uh, which will probably get laughed off the pod as it were was um, Charles Howe III who again has uh, a bit of form over on the on you know certainly a lot of form on Riviera played well here last time we played here and just found something with his long game towards the end of last season on his last two starts so I'm going to give him an honourable mention if I may but, um, no, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, he, he's he's certainly a wily veteran, and, and he can you know yeah. get an electric mix of winners here, don't you? And it does seem to be that he is coming back into form. Like you say, he got that sort of long-awaited, uh, more recent win after such a long time out of the winner's circle. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that you know it's 2018. So even that was three years ago. Now um, seems like it's you know sooner than that. Yeah. But, um, you know, 23rd of John Deere, 39th of the 3M like you alluded to there, was uh, some returns to form there. Uh, yeah. Jason, your uh, final selections? Yeah, just say, I still think of Charles Howell third as some sort of 20-something-year-old rookie. <laughs> I just can't believe that. You know what I mean? There's certain people, and I just can't believe that he's wherever he is now. Anyway. He's, he's only uh, about 100 years old now, Jason. But yeah. yeah, I know, but I, it just doesn't... You know what I mean? It's just the impression... He, anyway. He Charlie looks quite young. Charlie Hoffman, Jez Reavy, Brennan Todd, Taylor Moore and Adam Schenk. I like the fact that you've got the Taylor Moore there. I mean, I don't know how long you were preparing for that over the last five minutes or so, but uh, Taylor Moore, Tyler Moore, mm-hmm. whoever it is, will have a great performance this week. Guys, let's pull the whole thing off. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on as ever. Uh, Jason, you're here with me every week, so uh, I always thank you for that. Uh, and Martin, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me on again, gents. It's been a blast. And um, Cheers, yeah, may we have plenty of winners between us in the new season. Thank you.